My friends, the gospel reading that we have for today is from the 16th chapter of Matthew's gospel, and it's the turning point in Matthew's gospel, just as the similar scene is the turning point in Mark's gospel. Luke is a little different, uh, but that this is uh, the major change in Jesus's public ministry, where uh, it's not just about what the crowds are saying anymore. It's not just about the popular opinion. Uh, but Jesus asks, you know, who do you say that I am? Who do others say that I am? Okay, fine. But who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Not just this rabbi, this great teacher, not just this wonder worker. No, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, and then Jesus is going to begin to teach them, and we're going to get it in a special way next week, what it means for him to actually be the Christ, what kind of Messiah he is. But before he does that, he gives this blessing to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter. And upon this rock... I will build my church. You are Peter. And so the office, the Petrine office in the church is founded by Jesus himself. That he establishes Peter in this way. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter is very clearly in the gospel evidence, the chief of the apostles, Anytime there's a list of apostles, Peter's name is always first. He's one of the ones that ran to the tomb with John, the beloved disciple, at the last, uh, on Easter Sunday morning. He's one of the principal witnesses uh, as we get into the early part of the Acts of the Apostles until St. Paul comes on the scene. The role of Peter in the church is very clearly evident in the Gospels. Uh, that Peter is established by Christ to be the rock. And the office of Peter didn't just end with the man, Simon the fisherman from uh, Capernaum. Rather, it is an office that Jesus instituted. And that office continues to this day in the person of the Pope. That the Pope is Peter. That he is uh, the, same, uh, the same office that is given here to St. Peter, to Simon Peter. And so we have our Holy Father, Pope Francis, who is Peter, uh, that he shares the same office. There's a story of Pope St. Paul VI, who, as a lot of things were changing in the late 60s uh, and um, early 70s, that this priest wanted to change the church. And so he came and said, you know, I'm going to tell the Pope what I want to do. I'm going to get an audience with the Pope, and I'm going to tell the Pope how he should change all this church teaching. And Pope Paul VI very patiently and kindly listened to him. Right? He listened, okay, here's, okay, here's this young priest who's got all these fancy ideas on how to change the church. And then at the end of this, you know, discourse, he said... Well, that sounds nice, but we can't do that because I am Peter. And that means absolute fidelity to Christ, that we can't abandon Jesus. The role of Peter, the office of Peter, 
is primarily to confess Jesus, right? How does it start? Peter's the one that says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The role of the Pope is not to be the boss of the church, right? The manager of this multi-internet global organization. Let's just be a really good manager. And that's the role of the Pope, to be a manager. Or, and thank goodness this has changed in the modern world, not to be primarily a temporal authority, right? The monarch of Vatican City State. Uh, and before that, the papal territories, right? Like, no, the role of the Pope is primarily the office of confessing Jesus Christ. That the Pope always points to Jesus. It's not an office in and of itself for its own glory. The Pope always points to Jesus. He is the steward, right? The role of the steward is to run the kingdom in the absence of the king, to be the chief of staff, if you will. And when the, um, when the king isn't there, the steward kind of runs the day-to-day -day operations of the kingdom. And so the Pope is the steward of the kingdom of God. In fact, when Jesus says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, it's because he, the Pope, Peter, is the steward and the king is reigning in heaven and will come back one day. But until he gets here, his vicar is the person of the Pope which is why the Pope is called the Vicar of Christ. The Vicar of Christ. That he acts in the name of Christ. Now here's a cool thing. Some people will say, well, that's not biblical, right? That's not, well, Matthew 16, it's pretty biblical. But what does Jesus say? He's going to give the keys, the keys of being steward. And we get in that first reading from the prophet Isaiah. The word key is only used two times in the Old Testament. Once in the book of Judges, and then here, Isaiah 22, where uh, the Lord prophesies against the wicked steward, Shebna, and says he will raise up Eliakim as the steward. And what is he going to do? Eliakim is going to have priestly authority to offer sacrifice. He's going to be a high priest. I'll gird him with the sash and with the robe. Those are priestly garments. And what is he going to... He's going to be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah. Eliakim, the steward, will be a priest, and he will be a father. What do we call the Pope, right? Well, the, we have Pope in English, in Spanish, in Italian, I don't know other languages beside those. It's Papa, right? El Papa or Il Papa. Papa, what? Papa! He's our Papa, right? It's <laughs> Pope just comes from the word Papa. And that's what it, we, we English-sized it, but he's Papa. That's who he is, a father, right? A father, and we also call him the Holy Father. And I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. What he opens, no one shall shut, and what he shuts, no one will open. And so that is fulfilled in the king Christ giving Peter in the Petrine office, the steward, this authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth 
shall be loosed in heaven. Now again, biblically, those words binding and loosing, they had a very specific meaning in the Jewish culture of Jesus. To bind and to loose, the, the word is halakha, and it's to authentically interpret the law. Not to just make it up, but this actually comes from the book of Leviticus, that if you don't know how to interpret the law, you go to the priest, you ask them, they make a judgment, and you follow that. So, for example, when does the Sabbath start? Well, sundown. Well, when sundown, right? Is it when the sun touches the horizon? When it, you know, goes beyond the horizon? When there's no more light? Like, when is sundown? Particularly before my weather app can tell me what time it is. You know, okay. Well, that's the role of binding and loosing. To make a, def- a determination about the right living of the law. And so, with the papal authority to teach and to govern, right, it's not about the Pope just making up rules, right? The Pope can't make up rules. The Pope and the authority to bind and loose that he has is how to authentically interpret what God has given us. How do you interpret revelation? How do you interpret the scriptures? The Pope teaches can teach infallibly about matters of faith and morals, right? Not like just random political stuff and not just like foolish stuff like green beans are better than carrots or whatever. Like, no. The Pope teaches in, uh, authoritatively about faith and morals and can't just make stuff up, but rather interprets how we are to understand revelation. And so look, in a particular way, and in the church in the modern era, we should cultivate a deep love and filial respect for the person of the Pope, for the papal office, no matter who holds it, right? We, hopefully we love Pope Francis. We should really love Pope Francis. We should pray for him. We should pray for him every day. Uh, Most of the time, if you come to confession to me, your penance will be to say some amount of Our Fathers and Hail Marys, usually for Pope Francis. Because Pope Francis always says, pray for me. Pray anytime, anyone who meets the Pope, he says, pray for me. Like, pray for me. Okay, good. So we're gonna, that's one way that, you know, when, uh, when I give out penances in confession, it's usually some amount of Our Fathers and Hail Marys for the Pope. Because he asks us to pray for him. He's our Papa. And in the modern world, it's a very cultural thing to do to interpret the Pope by through our own political lens of whatever political party we may belong to. And we may see, we may want to tweet about the Pope or see stuff. Well, I don't think we tweet anymore. Now we X whatever it is. Who knows? But we may Elon Musk, you know, platform the Pope or we may, you know, post something on some other social media. There's no room for us, like, for us to be critical of the Pope in our own way, in our own platform. Like, no, Jesus didn't give me the keys, right? I can't get up here as a priest and just start criticizing the Pope. I'm not Peter. Peter is Peter. Francis is Peter. He's the Pope. And we should love him. We should pray for him every day. We should see him as our Papa. When he writes something or says something, we should try to read it if we can. We should try to understand it and actually listen to how he wants to teach us and how he's pointing out Jesus to us. 
That's his office. That's his role. Okay, I want to say one last thing. I know I'm going long on time. But there's a cool, what is the final thing Jesus says? The gates of the nether, you know, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. The role of the Pope in governing and leading us and shepherding us is that the church is not going to be defeated by paganism. But not just we're not going to be defeated, right? The gates of the netherworld. So where did this scene take place? Caesarea Philippi, where there was a pagan temple, and they would offer human sacrifice. And so Jesus brings them out there for this. Because if you consider what we mean by the gates of the netherworld, this is not the church like playing defense. We are offense, right? We are on the offensive. Jesus is here as the king to reconquer the world for the one God. And the Pope is going to be the team captain. And so we're on the march, right? The gates are the defenses of the evil one. It's the walls of sin that break us down, that hold us captive. And the church, here comes the church to break us out, to get us free. You know, when we say, oh, the church is under attack, the church, I heard a, a speaker say this, uh, the church is under attack. Yeah, the way when I watched Jurassic Park, and the T-Rex is going after a guy and he throws a flashlight at him, right? The way that T-Rex is under attack is the way the church... We're the T-Rex. No one else stands a chance, right? This is the gospel message. We have to be confident in what we've been given. And so, my friends, we follow our captain, right? Christ is our king. The steward is Peter. And he leads us to Jesus. And so let's pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis. Let's each cultivate a deep love and respect for him and for his office. And let's be sure that we're on the team to go break open the gates of death and set free those who are held captive to win them to the glorious liberty of the children of God.